Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we kind of glance at what happened in the market trade today, a lot of negativity happening on the screen. And we're going to kind of dive into what have been the causes, what are we seeing, but how much does the condition of corn right now compare to just what we've seen the past few years? As, as Jeff Peterson's going to be joining me, he's with Heartland Farm Partners. We were talking before this started about how there's a lot of yellow corn right now out in the countryside. No surprise, we've had a lot of rain, cooler temperatures, and not a lot of uh, Mother Nature sunshine. But that's going to change. And how much is that going to have on the effects of what we see in the trade? And as we look at a market weather development, export demand, there's a lot of fingers in the pot for what we're seeing in the trade. So we bring Jeff Jeff Peterson on the phone line with us. And Jeff, let's start out with those corn conditions. Obviously, this was the first week that we got the actual numbers in the good to excellence categories coming from the USDA. Any any surprises as to what you're hearing and seeing and seeing from around the countryside? Well, I think it kind of starts off just like what you were saying. Overall, I think everybody's a little bit surprised by the conditions. You know, the 76% uh, good to excellent rating nationally, that would be the fifth best start we've had or at least for this week. And um, overall, I'd say if you were to ask most farmers directly, they're saying, you know, we got off okay, but I, I didn't think it'd rate quite that high. And then as we dig in and take a look at Nebraska in general, um, 88% good to excellent. That's actually the second best rating that we've had for this week. And overall, just like uh, the national level, I think the state level, a lot of the farmers would say, ah, I don't think my crop's quite that good. But Regardless, that's where things are getting started. So how do we compare it to what we're seeing to year-ago levels or even two years ago? You know, overall, we're yeah, we, we are higher. So we're starting off higher. We're setting uh, the 88% uh, for Nebraska. I think we're 82 starting off last year. And then um, we would have been setting 76% on the national. We'd actually be going back to looking at like 74% was where we'd have got started last year. So so that's kind of where we're stacking up so far. With the current conditions, and I know we talked about corn, but I want to uh, talk about soybeans as well with Illinois and Indiana talking about having to do some replants because of some frost issues that happened last month. Yeah, definitely. We, we're finding pockets out there. You know, there's a pocket south and west of Fargo, North Dakota, that uh, in that area, you know, there's going to be some replanting. Also, as you go in, over into northeast Iowa, southeast Minnesota, there's another pocket over there. Some of our customers over there are telling us they're going to have to do some replanting. And, and even though it's really bad in those areas that it does happen and you ever you hate to ever see that, overall, I'd say nationally, that, that really won't make a, a much of a difference at this point, Susan. Well, that's good to hear. What are we looking at? Some of the main factors. I mean, some negativity on the trade today. What seems to be the, the pulse of all of this today? You know, if you, if you really get back, and, and it's not too surprising compared to other years, you know, we're, we're in a kind of, as I'd call it, a double weather market. And the reason I call it a double weather market is we've got a weather situation here in the U.S. that's getting watched, you know, very closely. Um, and then in addition to that, you've also got the Safrina corn crop trying to finish up in South America. So that's losing a little bit of the attention um, the South America is, but still concerned about how that crop is going. But here in the U.S., you know, all eyes are, are focused on what the weather's doing. All right, maybe we need to go back to the basics as well because we always talk about weather markets. So how does a weather market actually develop and, and what are some like key points that we should keep an eye out for? 
Well, you know, I think that is a very good thing to remember, and, and we're just getting started in, in this weather market. And the way it all starts together, and there's really four phases to it, is that you've got the forecast of, of warm and dry conditions. And that's and that's really what we've got going on out there. We've, we've got the forecast across the upper plains looking like it's going to be some warm temperatures and less rainfall than what they'd like to see. And then the next stage after you have that forecast, you have to have a verification of that forecast. So you physically have have to see the actual weather, the warm conditions, the dry conditions happen. And then as, as that market continues to evolve, then what you start seeing is crop conditions declining. So in the weekly crop progress reports, what you'll see happen, you'll see those condition ratings start moving down. And then the next stage gets to be where you start hearing those yield forecasts start declining. And then you'll hear that first probably out of the private forecasters. And then depending on the time of year you are, um, you'll hear it out of USDA in the monthly WASD report, you know, um, and and that continues with the WASD and USDA. You know, they're just using their models as we get all the way through August now. And then as we get into September forward, then you've actually got individuals out in the field actually doing the forecasting. So that's kind of the different stages that you see. But, Susan, I want to go back and touch on a couple things on the weather that we're noticing a little bit out there. As, as we look at the rainfall, and that's one of the items that definitely market's watching, and in particular, if we look at the April through June rainfall amounts, take a look at some quick numbers. And, and this yield or this data for rainfall goes back 129 years. And so for Iowa, for everything really north of, say, I-80, uh, their ranking is 114th. So that means it's 114th driest April through June it's been. And then think of that another time. If 100% is the driest it's ever been, their ranking would be at 88%. And for North Dakota, there's 111th out of 129 years. So their ranking would be the 86th percentile in regard to dryness. And eastern South Dakota has also been dry in that area, too. They're ranking sitting there at 93 years out of the 129. And believe it or not, even the eastern third, with some of the rains we've had here in Nebraska, the eastern third comes in at the 89th ranking. Um, out of the 129 years. And and where we get even more concerned as we move past that is we, we go, well, how much moisture did we have in the bank? You know, how much moisture is in the subsoil? And a, and a few things that you, we, we take a look at is we say, what's the short to very short, you know, ratings coming? And this comes out of the weekly crop progress numbers. And to just give you an, an idea, Iowa's 38% short to very short. Um, Michigan setting at 55% short to very short. Minnesota's at 30% short to very short. And Nebraska's setting at 20% short to very short at this time, Susan. So having said that, uh, we come back, we're going to take a look at some other factors that are really working into to the market trade, ethanol demand. And what about exports? What are we seeing? And limit up trade action. Lots to cover in part two. It is just around the corner. More is coming up on this Thursday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation with Jeff Peterson. He is with Heartland Farm Partners, and we were talking going to break about all the weather that's been happening, but why are we sitting subsoil-wise? Yeah, and, and we'd kind of started going through those a little bit, but I did want to finish those out, Susan. Uh, the couple of two driest is up in the northern plains. North Dakota, you know, they're setting on 76% short to very short, and, you know, that would be all accounts. You know, you're probably seeing some of the driest conditions up there in, in 40 or 50 years. And then on uh, South Dakota side, they're setting at 62%. 
uh, short to very short. So those two got very good rainfall in the April through June timeframe, which has contributed to that subsoil being dry. But in addition to that, they were dry coming in. But in, in Iowa's that way too, in parts of Nebraska and over to Michigan. But I want to put some of the states that I mean in perspective in regard to production. And we'll need to watch this going forward. Keep in mind, Iowa makes up 16% of the nation's corn production. And that was according to its production in 2020. Um, Michigan only makes up 2%. Um, Nebraska makes up 13%. North Dakota, even though they're extremely dry, they do only make up 2%. But in a year like this, as tight as stocks are, every percentage is going to matter. And then South Dakota makes up about 5% of the production. So as we hear people talk about the dryness, this also puts in perspective how important each of those areas are in regard to the production, Susan. And as you talk that perspective, we also need to keep in mind, this is Mother Nature, and it could change in a heartbeat. Well, and that's exactly part of the thing we saw in the market today. And if you've noticed it, the last couple of days here, what we're actually seeing is we're seeing some weakness after we see the GFS noon models run and release. And then we kind of turn around and we gain some strength overnight. And you're exactly right uh, with the weather forecast and the weather we have going forward. Uh, it's going to keep us on our toes going forward. So looking at that export demand, how are we kind of keeping up with the numbers? You know, overall, coming along pretty well. Weekly export sales will have new numbers out tomorrow, but coming out of the ones from last week, this past week, 556,000 metric tons. Um, you know, that compared to only 127,000 needed to meet our, our numbers. So I'd say overall, we're on pace on the corn exports actually to exceed the numbers that USDA has put out there. And so we may need to see those increase, and they may increase them slightly in the report next week on the WASDE report. Um, soybean sales um, you know, came in at 56,000 metric tons. That compared to the 35,000 metric tons needed, and these would have been the numbers from last week. So we're on pace to meet the numbers um, on the soybean side. And then the big thing we're watching right along with the export sales, so we're, we're watching those export inspections and seeing if, if the bushels that are actually sold, if they're moving out the door. And we've had some really good weeks on corn, and we'll have some additional good weeks going forward. But this past... Uh, Actually, just uh, looking at our last week's numbers for weekly inspections, and these numbers would have came out on Tuesday. They normally come out on Monday, but they came out on Tuesday. That would put in at 80.6 million bushels shipped out. Year-to-date, that put us up 77.8% compared to a year ago. USDA believes we're only going to be up about 56.1%. So on the inspection side, we're continuing to get those bushels exported, continue to get bushels shipped off to China. But China is going to be one that we're going to have to watch. We still do have quite a few bushels on the books to them, and we want to make sure that those bushels do get shipped and they don't do like they sometimes do on soybeans and actually move them over to the next crop year. Over on the soybean side, we are lagging a little bit right now. We have a tremendous amount of our bean exported have, have been shipped already. We do need about 15.8 um, million bushels per week. This last week, we only shipped out about 7 million. But this is kind of a normal time in here where that lags. Our anticipation would be is as we get a little further along, the South American harvest kind of gets a little bit more in the rear view mirror. We think we'll see that the shipment pace pick up as, as we move forward, Susan. So how is demand for ethanol and corn going along? You know, it's it's been actually really good. And, you know, what's been interesting to see is that that had been early in the year. One of our biggest concerns is that how are these ethanol plants going to hold up? But actually their margins are holding in there very well. Uh, we've seen, a you know, a nice increase in price. 
on the ethanol side. Corn prices obviously went up, but overall margins are fine. We had numbers out today in weekly ethanol, and for this past week, they'd have been uh, 1,034,000 would have been the average barrels per day. If we take a look at what that means for how much corn has been used or, or calculated to be used, that means we're up year to date and we'll go back to starting in September because that's when the crop year started would be up about 2% compared to a year ago. And, and actually right now that USD is forecasting would be up about 2.5% for the year. So we're lagging a little bit off their pace. But I think if we hold in at the levels that we're at right now, we go down the road, we may have to increase the amount of demand for corn for ethanol by 50 or 60 million bushels. So time will see there, Susan. Lots of things that we looked at today, Jeff. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com. Click on the sign-up button to get some of our free daily commentary delivered by text or email. Or follow me on Twitter at JeffPeterson01. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.